0: Acts chapter 10. You ever been praying for something and found that God answered something you didn't consider originally in the prayer that you prayed? You ever been asking God, use me? For your kingdom, and God sends exactly the person that you were to talk to that very day. Let me argue one thing that I think many of us tend to forget quite frequently is that every single one of us that's a follower of Jesus Christ is given a divine appointment throughout life with different people that we meet. We have different people that come along our path that God Completely links together. And he uses those people to either encourage us or us to encourage them. For them to either reveal some truth from God's word to us or for us to reveal God's truth to them. This is what we're going to be seeing this morning in the story of Cornelius. This is a man who ultimately was pursuing what he believed was the right relationship with God, but he was missing some details. And God answered that prayer. What we're going to be looking at is six different things here in Acts chapter ten. We're going to be dealing with the first three this week and we'll finish next week. Number one, the instruction, verses one through eight. Number two, the vision, verses nine through sixteen. Number three, the invitation, verses seventeen through twenty three. Number four, the connection, verses twenty four through thirty three. Number five, the message verses 34 through 43, and number six, the follow-through, verses 44 through 48. So number one, the instruction, verses 1 through 8. Let's read. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, And prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. What's interesting here is that we see a shift from the story with Peter, as we saw last week, and his encounter with Dorcas, or Tabitha, and the healing of that man that I can't pronounce right, Aeneas. One of the things that is interesting here in this text is that Cornelius is mentioned who is a centurion. He's a centurion, which means essentially that he's a captain of about 100 men which are actually a part of a, longer, a larger uh, group of soldiers, which would be about 600 men. Centurions are mentioned actually quite a bit in Scripture. In fact, a centurion is mentioned pleading with Jesus for his sick servant back in the Gospels. Another is mentioned at the foot of the cross, responding in faith when he saw the earthquake at Christ's death. Other mentions are found later in Acts, which we'll get to as we get to those texts. What's amazing is that the chain of command was something that these centurions understood. They understood it in just about every encounter that we see with, him and with them in Christ. In fact, Cornelius shows us that he understood there was something to the Jewish faith. What we didn't know is what was missing that God would still reveal to him. In fact, when we look back at the centurion at the, cross, at the foot of the cross of Jesus, he realizes that when Jesus suffered, it was an unjust suffering. He understood that if, it, if we're going to go by the law, this man did not deserve it. Another instance that we see a complete picture is here of what a centurion sees in Christ. But what we see is what he saw before meeting Christ. We see him pursuing the divine, but not getting it fully right. In fact, in this case, he's pursuing Jehovah God of the Jewish people, following the laws and ordinances of Judaism. In fact, what's fascinating, if you look back to the centurion and the the situation with the servant that's sick, Jesus makes a statement that's fascinating for all of us to hear. He says, "'I have not found such a faith in all of Israel.'" Why was that the case there? Well, one of the reasons there is that this centurion did not ask Jesus to come by and heal in person. He believed by faith that if Jesus just spoke the word, his servant would be healed. Centurions understood authority, whereas others many times did not. Cornelius here, as a Gentile, has connected to the Jewish culture. And in his practice, he did many of the things that they did. But he was probably not liked by all the Jewish folks because he's actually part of an occupying army there in Israel. We see clearly that Cornelius takes devotion to God seriously. In fact, he's generous to others. We see that spelled out here. More than likely what, he, what the text is talking about when, it, when he's being generous, it's that he's generous to the Jewish people that are really under him. He's also very devout. He's adhering to many of the tenets of Judaism. In fact, he may have been connected to the Jewish faith up to circumcision. In all the other areas, he may have been fulfilling what they would have done. He was what was considered someone that was very close to the truth, but still off. He arrived at the connection of Jesus as Jewish Messiah only when God sent him to Peter. The ninth hour, as we see here in the text that he is praying would be about 3 p.m. in our time. It's the time of the Jewish prayer when Cornelius was more than likely praying and he sees a vision of an angel who tells him to call for Peter for further instructions. What's amazing is that the angel gives Cornelius precise instructions on where to go to find Simon Peter. Cornelius is not given the full revelation at this time. And that's one of the things that's interesting is that you would think maybe all of it at once would be revealed, but God is telling him, hold on, I need you to go ahead and do this next thing. Go find Simon. And he'll give you the full, further instructions. What happens frequently is God uses people in our lives to bring us to the truth of the gospel, particularly if we want to know more about God ourselves. I believe with all my heart that a longing for God comes from God Himself. But as a person's, if you will, seeking, pursuing, trying to find out what is this whole business of Jesus Christ and the gospel that God sends the right people at the right time. God divinely works those details out to send people in our lives and in their lives at the right time. Those that long after him, he reveals more light to. As we see here with Cornelius. In fact, what's interesting is the angel mentions his prayers and charitable deeds as something that God received as a memorial. But notice, this is not enough for Cornelius. He needs to know more. He needs to go and talk to Peter, who will fill him in on the details of what he must do. That's what the Scripture clearly tells us. Notice a few important details here in these verses. Number one, the reverence that Cornelius has for God. He feared God. I want you to notice that. Number two, as much as Cornelius knew about God, there was a big piece that was missing. He didn't know that Jesus saves. He didn't know this Jewish Messiah. There are people outside the Christian faith, believers, that adhere more to the morals of this word than many Christians do. Sadly, to our shame, they take the moral code implanted in the conscience of man more seriously than the believer that's walking with Christ. What's tragic is that so many born-again believers don't take God's moral code as seriously as some that are outside the faith entirely. What's lacking in the church today is the version of Jesus that we think we know that's not found in this word. There are a lot of churches today preaching that Jesus is perfectly fine with all the sin in your life. And yet, the very reality of the gospel is He came to pay for sin. That's the reality of the gospel. He didn't come to give us a boost He gave us resurrection from the dead. Cornelius, as an unbeliever, a man that had not yet placed his faith in Jesus Christ, was more devoted to prayer than many of us are. Let me tell you, believer, there are many people in many different religions outside the Christian faith, outside of God-fearing, Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching Christians, that are more devoted to prayer every day than you and I are. Does it save them? No. But that's a testimony that we mess up. It's to our shame that many are more devoted to prayer than we are. As soon as the angel departs here, Cornelius sends two of his servants and a soldier to go find Peter. Notice the detail here in this text. A devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. You know what was important to Cornelius even? Is that he picked the right guy. The right soldier. The right men to go and find Peter. For Cornelius, you know what mattered? Is a person that was faithful. We see here, though, that the text moves right back to Peter and the vision. In number two, the vision... Verses 9 through 16. Listen to what it says. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry, as was common with men, and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners. Descending to him, and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Here's what's amazing about this text that I think is missed by many of us. The next day, those phrases should jump out at you as you read the Bible. God has a precise order that he always operates under. The next day, just as Cornelius gets his answer, Peter is getting a vision What's interesting is, just as Cornelius' group is coming to see Peter, God is giving Peter further instructions himself. Notice the similarity here. Peter is also praying, but this is around noontime. The text tells us that Peter is getting hungry. It's a a part of the text. And the meal is getting prepared, and as that meal is getting prepared, he sees this vision. And guess what his vision has? Food. That's what his vision has. Lots of animals. We don't know exactly all the animals because the Scripture doesn't completely spell them out for us, but we can assume animals like snakes, birds, maybe, probably four-footed, maybe snakes wouldn't qualify, but birds, sheep, maybe a pig. He hears a voice telling him to kill and eat. Now, Peter, knowing the Jewish ceremonial law, initially refuses... In fact, here's what probably comes to mind in Peter's mind. If you go back to Deuteronomy, and these are important connections you need to make when you study the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 4 through 20, here's what it says. These are the animals which you may eat. This is, remember, to the Jewish people. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the mountain goat, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. And you may eat every animal with cloven hooves, hooves, having the hoof split into two parts and that chews the cud among the animals. Nevertheless, of those that chew the cud or have cloven hooves, you shall not eat such as these, the camel, the hare, the rock hyrax, for they chew the cud but do not have cloven hooves. They are unclean for you. Also, the swine is unclean for you because it has cloven hooves yet does not chew the cud. You shall not eat their flesh or touch their dead carcasses. These you may eat of all that are in the waters. You may eat all that have fins and scales, and whatever does not have fins and scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. All clean birds you may eat, but these you shall not eat. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the red kite, the falcon, and the kite after its kinds. Every raven after its kind, the ostrich, the short eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after their kinds, the little owl, the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, the carrion vulture, the fisher owl, the stork, the heron after its kind, and the hoopoe, and the bat. Also, every creeping thing that flies is unclean for you. They shall not be eaten. You may eat all clean birds. Quite a list there, right? Quite a list. And it's almost just spelled out. If Peter is simply trying to follow the Jewish dietary law correctly, why was he incorrect in refusing to do what was asked of him? Why was he incorrect in refusing to do what was asked of him? Well, the key is found in verse 15. Look at this back in Acts. In verse 15, it says, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This has been cleansed by God. That's why it is permitted to eat, Peter. Apart from God's cleansing, it was not permitted for you to eat initially, Peter. Peter missed the deeper meaning in this text. In fact, the deeper meaning behind this vision was played out for him three times, and he didn't get it right away. He never did end up eating the animal, by the way. Peter missed the obvious connection for us as we read the complete story, we see it. But as happens to many of us, (laughs) what should be obvious sometimes isn't, right? What should be an obvious connection for us that is revealed isn't so obvious for us at the moment. You ever had somebody point out something to you that you should have known, you still didn't understand, and they repeated themselves and you still didn't quite get it? And then all of a sudden, for some reason later on, you make the connection. And then it clicks. I remember, this is actually my notes, by the way. I remember the first time Pastor Rizzo told me not to respond right away when someone was upset with something I had done. And I remember getting hyper-spiritual in my response and saying, but doesn't God want us to take care of it today? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Let's put it this way. I only understood that later. In fact, one of the things that is... Sad is that I didn't understand in proper context that scripture also has a phrase, a word fitly spoken. One of the problems with us, and I think this is, like I said, for me a learning lesson in life, is that many of our responses directly to somebody countering us or upset with us or angry at us is not a word fitly spoken. Our emotions get the best of us, and we absolutely destroy whatever response we have initially. Needless to say, and I'm going to sadly admit to this, I didn't get it right for a while. But as time goes on, you start understanding, oh, that's why. That makes sense. See, what's going on here is Peter's not understanding that what God is trying to show him is that there is a wedge between the Gentiles and the Jews, and God is breaking that wedge. He is now opening the door for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. The gospel message was of the Jews, but it is also for the Gentiles. And that is why we're here today, believers. God could have exclusively made it for the Jews. But He chose to give us the gospel as well. In fact, as Scripture reveals to us, of one blood... He's made all of us. This vision was repeated three times, and the sheet itself was taken up into heaven with the animals. Now notice, Peter didn't quite get it. In fact, he was wondering about it until he's invited to go see Cornelius, which will help him start connecting those dots. So number three, the invitation. Verses 17 through 23. Let's read together. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. They invited them, Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. These men, sent particularly by Cornelius, were asking for Peter specifically. Because... This was a divine appointment that God had made. And what's amazing here is that Peter is still trying to figure out what this whole vision means. And God sends somebody right around that time. The huge point of application is here for us to follow through on. Just as God reveals something to you and me, and we might be pondering what exactly is the reason I'm seeing this in the Word of God, may be the exact moment that God sends somebody along our path that we are to share that with. Believers, sometimes you and I have a prompting of the Holy Spirit to say something to somebody that we've read in the Word. It's our due diligence that we follow through and actually do the things that God's called us to. Now, I know one of the common things that a lot of us do, and I know I've done it myself, is, well, I'm not living proper right now. I'm not living completely, perfectly holy right now. I'm not in the Word as I ought to. That doesn't negate the fact that if God shows something to you, you ought to share it with others. I agree that holiness is important. That's why it's so essential for the believer. But if you're waiting for perfection before you share something with someone else, then you've missed the point of Scripture. God is using imperfect vessels to reach others. One of the main reasons I stress the importance of Scripture reading here in this church is that it's a, there's a need for your spiritual stability, believer. Because let me tell you right now, not a single one of us can fight your battle during the week for you. You get up tomorrow morning, there's not going to be 10 phone calls to your house. How you doing? How's your spiritual walk with God going this morning? One, for some of you, it'd be creepy. All right? Number two, even if it were the case and we try to do that, one of the issues with that is that we need to personally feast on the Word of God ourselves. I can't feed you. The word of God, you have to be fed yourself. One of the difficulties in the church is that so many are relying on someone else to live their spiritual walk for them. Listen, husbands, your wife cannot walk for God for you. Walk with God, if you will, for you. Neither can you, gentlemen, walk for God for your, husband, for your wife. We can't walk with God for our children. We can raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but that's something that we need to develop as a discipline in their own life. That's one of the reasons why spiritually unfit people make really poor decisions constantly. And what's even worse is when you have spiritually unfit people encouraging other spiritually unfit people to continue spiritually being unfit. Now here's another problem, and a lot of people don't notice this. You can get overloaded on the Bible to where all you're doing is being religious. Where all of it just goes in one ear out the other. Oh, I've learned, listened to 10 sermons this week. I'm doing good. Look, it has to resonate in your life. It's not resonating in your life. You're becoming no better than a Pharisee in the Bible. One of the scariest things, and I, and I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, one of the scariest things is knowing so many people including myself, we we should be further along in our walk with God, and we're not. Are we going to trip up? Of course we are. But just as a just man gets up, we need to get up. And you won't wallow in our misery. We get back up, we move forward. Soldiers for Christ should not be wimps. We're excited to fight for things in our lives that matter to us. Why isn't the gospel that important? Why isn't God's word that important? Why isn't having my brothers or sisters back that important to us? Some of of us get so easily offended that somebody comes along and tells us, hey, you need to get this part right in your life or else it's going to hurt you. Have you considered that people care? That's why they're pointing that out to you. They're not necessarily out there to come judge you right away. some people are. There's there's plenty of self-righteousness to go around. But there are people that come along in our life and they go, hey, you know what? Here's an area you need to pay attention. This is going to hurt you. This is going to hurt your marriage. This is going to hurt your kids. This is going to hurt your church. And just like what happens here, You may not understand all the intricate details of what God's doing in other people's lives, but sometimes God puts you with somebody else and then he wants you both to encourage one another. What's really amazing is the way that God works here with Peter. And just as God does today, he speaks to us through his word. We may not have the gifts of the original apostles, but we have something that is sure that never changes, and it's His Word. Sometimes you and I feel like we have very little to offer others because we haven't heard much from God ourselves. Believer, your enthusiasm to share the Word of God with others will be built by how much time you spend with Him yourself. And you've seen it in your life. When you spend very little time with him, you have very little to want to share with others about him. The reason why the Word of God is so important that you feast on it every single day is because that's the very essential you need to share the gospel with others later. It is literally trying to run on empty and try to give somebody some gasoline in your tank that's completely empty. One thing that would be an excellent habit that we see these two men, one an actual unbeliever at this time and one that is an apostle of Jesus Christ, is to be devout devout in our prayer life. Set aside a certain time that's you and God you're going to pray every day. Some of you have already done that with reading. I'm saying do it with both. Certain time that you're going to pray, certain time that you're going to read every single day. And some of it may be with your family, but some of it has to be absolutely individually, personally. And take your cue from Jesus. He did that himself. He would separate from the crowds and the disciples and still pray to his heavenly father. Did Jesus have corporate prayers? Absolutely, but he also had private prayer. What's interesting here is that Peter is thinking through his vision... And gets a confirmation from the Holy Spirit to go with the men that are looking for him and inviting him to see Cornelius. Now listen, believer, here's what's interesting. There are no coincidences with God. There are no coincidences with God. He sent instruction to both Cornelius and Peter. Here's what's amazing, and I don't think we pay attention sometimes in this text to see it more clearly. You know what's interesting? Cornelius gets precise instructions. Peter's seem veiled, confusing. Both are from God. This is what you call a divine appointment, believer. God knows everything and makes it all come together at exactly the precise time. Have you ever considered that about your life? Why did you marry the spouse you married? Was it by accident that you met that person at, let's say, this school? Was it by accident that you were about life and you met them at this restaurant and for some reason there was a connection and then this occurred? Or that you were growing up together in church and all of a sudden, I like them. They like me. Let's get married those are divine appointments and we miss the obvious what do we quote all the time what God has joined together let what let no man put asunder do we understand the the meaning of that I mean we quote these things all the time and don't think through the implications of the phrases we spout you ever look back at your life and wonder how is it that I've met the people I've met I remember growing up going to a Christian school and I didn't know at the time as a little boy that I would have this driver named Carmen Rizzo that would one day call me to be his associate pastor I never thought that when I was a little boy. In fact, I was completely as far as you can be from somebody that wants to be a pastor growing up as a boy. But I remember as time went on, fast forward 10, 15 years, and I get a call, Uh, Roman, we're looking for an associate pastor principal for our church and school. Are you interested? Well, fast forward 10 more years. Here we are. Those are things that God does. And I think we miss the obvious sometimes. I've had so many people throughout my life that God's placed in my life come just at the right time to straighten certain things in my life that I needed straightened out. And some of you I know throughout the years, I've had some hard things I've said to you. Can I go back and make a statement that I think maybe some of you believe me now, maybe you don't believe me, but I assure you, my heart wants what's best and God's best for you. And some things are very hard to tell you. Some things are very difficult to relate to you. Sometimes it's difficult to tell you it's so important that you get your marriage right before God can use you in other areas. You know why it's hard? Because I'm married myself and I know I'd fail miserably. Many times. There's one thing that seems to always come up in our lives that when God reveals something to us, He sends us an opportunity to share those things with others. Believer, one of the things that you really can do differently this week that you need to pay attention to is when God shows you something in this Word that is important, it sticks out to you, don't hold it in. You know what's different about the apostles and us? They couldn't help but speak of the things they've seen and heard. For us, we're like, oh, tone it down. I don't want to be too bold. I've got a job. I don't want anybody to think differently about me. I'm too crazy if I say this. What you don't realize is those people are lost and on their way to hell, and they need you to speak the truth. And you know what's even more amazing than that? Is if anybody is brought to the gospel message because you were faithful to the kingdom and ultimately faithful to God's word, you only have God to thank for that anyways. What's amazing is Peter's told to go with them without doubting. This was from God. The Holy Spirit himself revealed this to Peter. I need you to go with them. I need you to just obey and not doubt me on this and go. What's absolutely terrible for many of us is that there are opportunities God lays at our feet and we miss them. We miss them. We miss them because we are so consumed with our own walk with God that we miss the obvious connections that God wants us to make with other people. Believer, can I encourage you on something that I think sometimes we tend to forget? Every single one of us struggles with sin, without exception. But you know what's one of the divine ways that God works in our sanctification? Is being around other people and encouraging them with the Word of God. You know one of the reasons why some of you are still standing, spiritually speaking? is because there are other people alongside you that God's brought along your way. And some of the most miserable people in church have nobody coming alongside them. It breaks my heart. And here's the tragedy. The church today has taken the approach that, you know what? All I need is to know that I'm going to heaven and I'm fine. And, believer, there's a path you and I are on, and we need to keep walking. The worst example of the gospel is a miserable Christian. Lloyd Jones hit that right on the head. You and I need to understand something, believer. There are no coincidences in God's kingdom, there is always a divine appointment that God sends. Here in this text, we see both men that are in prayer, but only one has the truth. And who is that? That's Peter. God brings the truth of the gospel to the one that is still lost, but devout and in prayer. Listen to what Ian Bounds says about prayer it's amazing. Prayer is a specific divine appointment, an ordinance of heaven whereby God purposes to carry out His gracious designs on earth and to execute and make efficient the plan of salvation. Listen, believer, we need to always be willing to be in prayer and willing to hear what God has for us in His Word. It's when we do these things that God mightily answers in opportunities to reach others with the gospel. Peter invites them over to stay the night, And then he travels the very next day to go see Cornelius. He follows through. We're going to talk about that next week. There's a follow-through at the end in Cornelius and committing to the gospel message. So in conclusion, I have a quick question to ask. Are you available, believer? Are you available? What do I mean by that? Are you available for God to use? Are you available for God to use? Have you been walking faithfully with Him? I'm not asking you to ask God on behalf of your spouse. I'm asking you to ask God on behalf of yourself. Are you slacking in your passion for Him? Is it just a mere exercise in religious duties that you're doing this? Believer, you were put on this earth to glorify Christ and to make Him known. That is your ultimate purpose. I know a lot of churches like to preach about your purpose in life. There's one ultimate purpose, to live for His glory. Period. End of story. You're to make Christ known. Is that what your life is speaking? You were given the gospel so you can bring the gospel to someone else. It came to you not to terminate with you. It came to you so you could pass that to somebody else. God knew what He was doing when He saved you and me, but He said, it's not stopping with you. I want you to share this with someone else. What's worse for us is that many of us are more excited about a special that we see out there as a sale than we are about the gospel message that God has given to us. There's a divine appointment we all have. Here's the reality. There's a divine appointment with death that we all have. That appointment, you and I cannot avoid. If you don't know Christ, you should care. Because your final destination will be very frightening. It will be worse than dying from this pandemic because the experience is never ending. Think 2020, eternity times thousands. You talk about isolation, that's isolation you and I would never want to experience. Eternity does not have a termination point, unlike this life. You and I need Christ more than the very breath in our lungs. He is eternal life believer. The question of disciples of Christ is, are you available? Can God use you right now the way you lived this past week to share his truth with someone else? How faithful were you to be in the word yourself? How honest were you to repent of areas that God openly told you are wrong and sinful in your life? Or are you walk in your own path with no regard? for the people around you. Peter was available, and he was consistent in prayer and hearing from God. That is why this divine appointment occurred here in this text. Let's pray.